We are Christ people, right? Is that who we are? Is that who you are? We are people of Christ, and because that's who we are, we're in a series talking about what we do, the series that really encapsulates our vision and our mission as a church, as a bride of Christ. This is what we're called to do. This is, this is who we are called to be, and because that's who we are, we want to talk for the next several weeks. It's going to be a, an extended series talking about what Christ people do because of who we are. We, talk, we started last week talking about worship. We've said that, the, as you just saw in that bumper video, the, the six characteristics of a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. We're called as a body of Christ to reach the people in this community and lead them to come to know Jesus personally and then help them grow, help all of us to grow on a lifelong journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We identified what are the, what are the characteristics, what, are, what does a life look like that is fully devoted to Jesus? Now, it's a, it's a lifelong process, as we've said, but we start with worship. Everybody begins this journey by, by beginning to be a worshiper of the one true God. And then we connect, we connect to the heart of God and to the hearts of one another. And then we grow, we continue growing. Ephesians 4 tells us, Paul writes, he says, you need to grow to full maturity, to be a devoted follower, much like Jesus. In fact, to the full stature of Jesus himself. <laughs> hard to believe, hard to imagine that, isn't it? That that's possible. But it is. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And then we be, he leads us and empowers us to serve as a devoted follower of Jesus. To serve God. To serve God's people. To serve the people outside of the kingdom who yet need to be a part of the family of God. And then he calls us to give and be generous like he is. And then to yield to the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit. We just can't do this on our own. God knows that, and the Holy Spirit knows that, and he lives in us. We're going to talk about the fact that we are the temple of God this morning. So we're going to begin or continue this series. This is week two of this series, What Do Christ People Do? We're going to talk about worship. Last week we said you were made for this. You were made to worship God. You were created in God's image to worship God. This morning, we're going to talk about the fact that he formed you for this. You are formed. We are formed for this. Let's talk more about that specifically. What, what, what do I mean by that? See, we're commanded to worship. And when God gives us a command, Jesus gave his disciples some commands. In John 13, he says, I give you a new commandment. I want you to, the new commandment is this, love one another. That's a new commandment that Jesus gave us. So that we didn't have any question about whether or not that's something we're supposed to do. When God gives us a commandment, it's for our sake. I don't know about you, I grew up in a place and in a context where uh, the commandments were given because God was mad at us, and if we didn't follow his commandments, we were going to get bashed. You know, we're going to get whacked. Anybody else? Does that sound familiar to some of you? That's not the case at all. That's not why God gives us commandments. God gives us commandments because he's a good father. He's a perfect father, and perfect fathers give their children instructions for the, the benefit of the children. That's why we get commandments. It's, for, it's because of what God wants for us, not because of what he wants from us. Anybody agree with that? That's what good fathers do. 
And so when he gives us a commandment, it's because of what he wants for us. The Ten Commandments, for example. The first four commandments are how to stay in a growing, healthy relationship with God. That's what that's about. Because that's what we need. And that's what God wants for us. It's for us to be in a growing, healthy relationship with him. The next six commandments are how do we stay in a growing, healthy relationship with one another? That's why Jesus said the great commandment is summed up in this, that you love God and love one another. All the other commandments can be summed up in those two statements. That's why as the Hebrew people who became the, known as the Jewish nation, they learned to say the, what's called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. They would say this every morning before they, as, they, as they rose and every evening before they went to bed. A portion of the Shema contains the great commandment, what we know as the great commandments. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and with all your might. Jesus, when asked, what is the great, greatest commandment, recorded in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he said, he said it again, this is the greatest commandment. Now, he says it very completely, and I'm going to take this apart this morning and just Look at the specifics of the way you were formed to worship God. You're made for this. You're created for this. You are formed. The way God formed you, every part of you, the way he formed us, he formed us to worship him. Mark 12, verse 30 says, these are Jesus' words, quoting the great commandment. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, you are formed for worship. Let's start by, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, start by talking about our heart. You're formed for worship, and your heart is formed to worship God. In our heart is where we experience in our hearts where we experience our emotions, our feelings. Now, let me say quickly that our emotions and feelings need to be, we need to make certain that those are aimed toward God. And that's when we can trust our emotions and our feelings. We have to be somewhat careful with our emotions and our feelings. We can't always trust them. Sometimes your emotions, sometimes your feelings are going to lie to you. That's why this is so important, to love God so that our emotions are lined up with his heart. Our heart is lined up with his heart because when it's not, or when we get overwhelmed and distracted, your emotions and your feelings will lie to you. That's why God says, love me with all your heart. It'll connect you to my heart, and it'll keep you balanced. It'll keep your equilibrium and your focus on me. Your affections will be aimed toward me. My affections will be aimed toward you. We'll give it be a, be a reciprocal kind of emotional relationship. We've all had times when we've experienced emotional disequilibrium, haven't we? Just this week I was in a meeting, young church planter, and he was just overwhelmed with life and just growing through all kinds of challenging things. Um, somebody asked him a question, and he just exploded. We had to stop and just go, okay, wait, wait, 
what's going on here? What's going on with with your emotional your emotional life is you're you're out on the ragged edge, buddy. Let's figure out what's going on with your heart because right now in that moment his emotions were lying to him. His emotions were saying this, everybody's against you. Right? And that wasn't the case at all. He was in a room full of people who had nothing but regard and help and care for him. He couldn't experience that. He couldn't receive it because emotions, his emotions were lying to him. See, in the presence of God, in God's presence, we are able to experience the passion of God. We get to feel what he feels. We get to, we get to experience what happens in the heart of God when his heart is connected to ours. But when we're, when we're far from God, when there's a distance between us and God, then our hearts grow cold and hard. That's what the Bible tells us. That's why in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what separation from God does. It causes our hearts to, to, go, to grow cold and hard, stony, almost impenetrable. Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes in verse 6, because you are sons, and I might put in parentheses and daughters, he's using this in a generic sense here, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. You see how God wants our hearts to connect to his? Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, you're an heir. That's the truth, and that's what God wants you to feel. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you relate. When you experience yourself as a son or as a daughter of God, knowing that because you inherit everything, you have nothing to fear. Think about that for a second. Isn't that amazing? You're a son. You're a daughter. Turn next to the people you're sitting to, and so whichever is appropriate, say, you're a son or you're a daughter. Just remind one another of that. Say it like you mean it now and receive it as though it's true because it is. It is true. And if you're a son and if you're a daughter, that means you Paul says it right here, puts it in black and white, says, you inherit everything. I'm going to do a whole series on this in a few months. You realize that means you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Why would you fear anything? God's your father. You inherit everything. huge love your God with all your heart number two and with all your soul our soul is the core of who we are it's the eternal part of us it's where our will our will is either aligned with the heart of God or it's aligned with the enemy of God there is no middle ground here our, our will is either in alignment with God or it's in alignment with the enemy of God. 
It's where our desires, our decisions, our, our ultimate direction. This is eternal part of us. And we're designed by God to know him, to desire him, to be in relationship with him. But when we're separated from God, our will has different desires. When we're aligned with the enemy of God, our will will be influenced by him. Our will will be bent on destruction. We'll even do self-destructive kinds of things. We'll feel self-destructive. Our will and our direction, our ultimate even desires will be all about us. Me, myself, and I. That's what this... That's what happens when our soul is moving in the wrong direction. That's why Isaiah in chapter 53, verse 6 says, All of us, all of us, like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity, that's the, the separation, the heart that's bent on destruction of us all to fall on him. He knows we need to be rescued, and he knows without him working in our lives, we will wind up being destroyed. And we'll, we'll have a big part of that. We'll participate in our own destruction. Why? Because until we surrender to the will of God, until we, until we surrender our will to the will of God, we're aligned with the enemy of God. When, when the enemy of God fell from heaven... He fell, and he was, those were the consequences. Why? Because he wanted to be worshipped. That's what he wanted. Originally, Satan's name was Lucifer. We said last week, he is the enemy of God. He, led a, he leads a mutiny. It's not just a small rebellion. He leads a mutiny against God. That's why he got... He got cast out of heaven. Him and a third of all the angels were cast out of heaven. I'm not making this up. You can find it in scripture. And when that happened, it happened because of this. This is called the five I wills of Satan. It's found in Isaiah chapter 14. I'd encourage you to read this and look it up and think about it. We're going to look at it now. The five I wills of Satan. Isaiah 14 starting in verse 12. It says, you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. It's a euphemism. It's another uh, name for Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have, been weak, you have weakened the nations. That's what he does. He, he tears apart families and societies and ultimately nations. And now why? Verse 13, but you said in your heart, here was what, here's what was in the heart of Satan. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Notice he wants to go up. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. That's called mutiny. I want to go up. I want to be higher than God himself. I want to be the one. I want to be the object of worship. I want to be the center of the universe. That's what he's saying here. That's number two. Number three, I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. What's he saying here? What, is he, what he's really saying is, I want to sit on the throne in front of all the, I want everybody to gather around and worship me instead of worshiping God. 
Number four, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. In other words, over all creation. And number five, I will make myself, and here it is, what? Say it with me. Like the Most High. That is mutiny. And that's when life is all about me, me, me. I want me to be the center of everything. I want me to be the object of worship. I want me, 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 myself, and I to be the only thing that matters. And when we align ourselves with anything other than God, that's what happens in our lives. Isn't it? We, we all start with that nature. We're born with that nature. We want our will to be done. That's why one of the first words we learn as a little child is what? Ma, see, you know. You know you see. Oh, but, but, you, but you have a friend who has kids. You've learned that. Me, mine, I do it. Me, myself, and I, I want to be lifted up, raised up, sitting on the top of the throne where everybody else can look up at me and I can look down on them. You know, if you don't believe this is true about you, I mean, if you're sitting here still thinking, well, yeah, that's pretty much everybody else, but not me, then let me just ask you a question. When you are in a group picture and you see the group picture, who's the first person you look at? (laughs) I had to go there, didn't I? (laughs) And here's what you do. Here's what we do. When we look at that picture, we look and go, if it's good of me, it's a good picture. If it's bad of me, we need to throw that one out. That's a terrible picture. Whatever you do, don't put that on. See? Told you. You realize that... uh, That's why, that's why we started taking selfies, right? Did you know that selfie wasn't even a term until about three years ago? It wasn't even recognized in the dictionary until about three years ago. And now we use it almost every day. And a lot of people do it almost every day. And the good thing about a selfie, of course, is you can take enough of them to get one that you finally like. <laughs> Want me to stop now? What direction is your will? What is your, who is your will aligned with God or with the enemy of God? You're formed for worship. You're formed for your heart to be connected to the heart of God and for your soul to be connected to the will of God. And when it's not, Things are not going to go well. Number three, your mind. Your mind, our mind are our thoughts, our intellect, our understanding. See, when we're in the presence of God, we're able to receive from God his perspective. We get to, he gets to share his thoughts, his perspective, his wisdom, his understanding. If I read a proverb every day. The very first proverb says, seek wisdom and understanding. It all comes from the heart of God. Make certain you take it in and you focus on it and you absorb it and you understand it because it all comes from the heart and the mind of God. We need our minds to be formed 
Paul says, transformed, he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to the world you live in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the mind that we have, if not connected to the mind of God, is going to be influenced by the mind of the world that we live in. So that you can prove the will of God. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. See how this works? We are formed for this. You are formed to be connected to the mind of God. Because we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship, don't we? We do. Friends, that's why our altar time here at this altar every Sunday morning is so important. We've said as we gather together, there's three things that we do every time we gather. We worship, we spend time in the Word, and we pray. We worship, we spend time in the Word, and we pray. And at the end of it, we pray throughout the service at various points in time. But at the end of the service, every single week, we invite you to come and be prayed for, to to pray for one another, perhaps to come and pray for someone else. And that's why that time is so important. Because we want to gather at the altar and allow the altar to alter us. The altar that you spend the most time in front of is the altar that will most alter you. Maybe you should write that down. The altar you spend the most time in front of is the altar that will most alter you change you. If your altar is social media and you worship what's happening there, that's going to change you. Whatever it is for you. For us. We need to spend time at this altar together praying for one another. Listening to the heart and mind of God. Allowing our will to be brought into full alignment with his will. His will, the will of God is to heal you. The will of God is to set you free. The will of God is to refocus your heart and mind on him so that it is no longer worried. In fact, I think our worship could replace our worry. If you're full of worry... Start being full of worship and watch what happens. Number four, our strength. We've talked about our heart, our soul, our mind, and now our strength. This is our body, our physical body. The body that God has given you and me is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? God formed us. He formed us. He formed you. When he made you, he formed your heart and your soul and your mind and your body to be completely connected to him in worship and in relationship so that you would grow and continue to become the child of God, the son, the daughter he created you to be, he had in mind from the very beginning. I think that's an amazing thing that God forms us for this. He formed you to be a worshiper. He formed you to be a son or a daughter that would fulfill his will and experience incredible amounts of joy along the way and then spend eternity with him forever. 
He formed your body to be the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I love what David, King David says in Psalm 139, and I won't take time to read it, but I want you, I want you to write it down and go home and read Psalm 139. Maybe you can study that together if you're, if you're studying with someone else or maybe your family or whatever it might be. Study Psalm 139 where David says, I'm amazed at the way you made me, God. You know everything there is to know about me. You formed me when I was in my mother's womb, and you made me for this purpose, to know you. It's too great for me to, to even be able to communicate, he says. He's so amazed. You realize that when you were formed, that every single person, no, no exceptions, every single person is formed. You are formed physically to be a worshiper. I don't know how many musicians there are, but we've all studied music to a certain extent, right? We all listen to music. Anybody here who hates music? Good, glad to hear that. Do you realize in music, The way it works is there are three basic instruments that are used to play music. There's percussion, there's strings, and there's wind instruments, right? And every time we hear music, almost every time, all three instruments, when all three instruments are used, it is an amazingly beautiful sound, especially when it's done with some, by someone who has some talent. Your body was made for this. Percussion. That's why when we gather and sing every Sunday morning, I love to clap. Hopefully, you know, at the right time. The vocal cords in your body are strings. You have a stringed instrument in you and your lungs, God, filled full of air to blow over those strings so that you could make a beautiful noise for the Lord. You get to sing. You get to clap. You get to dance. All of creation is made to worship God. All of creation is made for that. Psalm 1, Psalm 98 Verse 4 says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth and sing for joy and sing praises, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the King, the Lord, let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Jesus, when he was coming on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The crowds around him, the throngs of people around him were shouting praise and singing adoration to Jesus because they knew who he was. And the leaders of the temple system said, Jesus, stop letting your people shout praise to you. Stop letting them worship you. And Jesus turns to them. You can see this in Luke 19. He turns to them and says, if they stop, if I tell them to stop, the rocks will cry out in worship to me. You know, I've never really liked rock music all that much. <laughs> and I'm not letting any rocks do my praise for me. What about you? 
What about you? Come on. When you gather before the throne of God, do you just stand there and go, let a rock do it? Seriously? You are made for this. You're formed for this. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Your body is formed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. So your body is the house of God. Just like this building is also the house of God. We gather together in God's house. But this is also, this flesh and blood, this sack of skin with bones inside is also the house of God. I, this body is formed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm the steward of it. I think it's amazing that Jesus created all of creation. He spoke into creation at the very beginning of time, and he becomes the builder of all of creation. Then Jesus comes to earth, and what does he do? He becomes a builder. The word for Jesus, when it says, when it's translated in your Bible as carpenter, is the word tecton. It really doesn't mean somebody who makes furniture. It means somebody who builds houses and buildings. Jesus is a builder. And when Jesus comes, he comes to build. He comes to build the house of God. That's you and me. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, your physical body, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. We've seen, we said last week, worship is to be an active thing. We're not just supposed to sit down like a bunch of rocks. We're supposed to be actively, not passively engaged in worship. And we're to actively take care of this body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it so it's healthy. And so it reflects God's glory. Don't abuse it. Don't misuse it. Don't keep it tired all the time. Take care of it. Build it up. Jesus' ministry is to build the house of God. Jesus, we said, Jesus came and he created everything with a word. He spoke everything into existence. And then he comes to earth personally and spends time here as, a, as, as Jesus who walked the planet. And he's, he becomes a builder. And then he says in John chapter 14, verse 2, he says to his followers, as he's telling them, I've got to go away. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I've got to go away. And when I go away, this is what I'm going to do. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that amazing? Anybody else amazed by this? I think it's amazing that Jesus is a builder of the house of God and he wants to build you up. 
This, as I said, this is a building. This, 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 is a, this is also the house of God. We like to say welcome home here at Christ Church. My question for you today is, is Christ at home in you? Is he at home in you? We're designed and created to be whole people, fully integrated, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's really what the word integrity is all about, right? Integrity doesn't just mean honesty. It means integrated, fully whole, completely connected in every way so that everything is lined up with God's purpose. You know, often when I hold my bride and I hold her close, I whisper in her ear, this is where I belong. I don't say it to just be romantic, although it is pretty romantic. (laughs) I say it because I believe it. I feel it. I know it's true. And I'm expressing that truth to her with my arms and with my mouth and with my heart and with my mind. And when we gather together here, we are gathered together here in the arms of God to hear him say, this is where you belong. Here with me, in my arms, in my presence, in my with my heart poured out to you and my mind focused on you so that you can hear what I have to say to you and you can experience and feel what I feel toward you and you can experience the reality of living in the presence of God. This is where you belong. Do you believe that? experience that as we gather here at this place I sometimes imagine that we're in the presence of God and it's like a big kitchen table you ever gather with your family around the kitchen table and God the Father is sitting at the head of the table we're all gathered around listening to what he has to say receiving the food that's coming from him the spiritual bread of life (laughs) just doesn't get any better than that but sometimes but sometimes we feel disconnected or like we're not able to engage and we need to help one another and there's people all over this community There's thousands of people all over this community who are disengaged and disconnected, whose hearts are hard, whose minds are not aligned with the mind of God, whose will is moving in the opposite direction, and they need to be rescued because they need to be in the house of God. Do you believe that? Not too long ago, some of the other pastoral staff and I went to a training in Dallas, and we heard Pastor Zach Neese tell the story 
Pastor Zach is a worship leader, and he told this story about one time when he and his wife and family, they're small, two small, little small girls, year and a half old and three years old. They were at a party, and there was a pool there. They were all sitting around talking and having a great time, and somehow, Zach says, I have no idea when it happened. I don't know how long she was in there, but his 18-month-old tottered off and fell into the pool. The three-year-old daughter, big sister, saw it happen. So she went over to the pool quickly, and she jumped into the pool. Neither one of the girls know how to swim. And that one, Pastor Zach, saw that happen. And so he ran. He said, it's one of those moments where everything, you know, time stops Although you can sort of, your mind goes into hyper mode and everything stops, everything else sort of is in slow motion and he's running as fast as he can go to get to the pool and he runs and he jumps and as he's over the water, just before he hits the water, he looks down and sees both of his little girls, 18 month old, a little lower than the three year old. The three year old had a hold of the arm of the 18 month old and her other arm was reaching up to her daddy. And he jumped in that pool and he grabbed both of those little girls and he rescued them out of the swimming pool. And when that happens, you know how much the heart of the father loves his kids, don't you? And you know how much we need to be rescued. And we need to be with the heart. We, we need to be with the Father. And friends, there are people all around this community. Some of them are your neighbors and some of them are your family members and some of them are your friends. Some of them are your coworkers. And they're drowning. And they need you to be the big sister to grab them with one hand and reach up to the Father with the other and show them what worship looks like, to show them what relationship with the Father, to show them what it looks like to be rescued. Will you do that? Will you be a worshiper who shows other people how to worship, who shows other people how to get rescued? who loves the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let me ask you, what is the current condition direction and devotion of your heart, of your soul, of your mind and of your strength. What, let me ask it again. What is the current condition, direction, and level of devotion of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Would you bow your heads with me?
Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to each one of us? As we bow before you, knowing that you love us, knowing that you would never, ever want to condemn us, but knowing that you want to rescue us, knowing that you want to lift us up, knowing that you want to renew our strength, to revive our souls, to fill our hearts and renew our minds. Would you do that this morning, Holy Spirit, as we, as we bow before you at these altars, as we sing this song, as we pray, as we lean into you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. If you're here this morning and God's speaking to you, I want to encourage you to respond. Maybe you want to come and pray here. Maybe you want to ask someone to pray with you. Maybe you want to come and pray with someone else or for someone else. Don't be like a stone. Respond to everything he's preparing you and prompting you to do. Father, lead us as we worship you with all our hearts and draw every person, no matter who, no matter what is going on, to come to you and worship you and pray as we minister to one another in these holy moments. In Jesus' name, amen.